0: Well, on this time change Sunday, you're due some commendation and congratulations, but not as much as the 7.30 people, and not quite as much as the 9 o'clock people, but you still get some credit. And I think I ought to get some credit this Sunday, too. This morning, I won a four-month battle with the digital clock that's on the intercom system in my house. It now has the right time. (coughs) Well, my dear friends in Jesus, the gospel lesson today is what is arguably the most famous and well-known and well-recognized verse in the New Testament. John 3.16 In a more innocent age, in a different place, Christian denominations tended to have close cooperation and regard for each other, mutual love and respect and feelings of brotherhood. I vividly remember as a child being invited to the Baptist Church Bible School in the summer. And since there were family connections and friendship connections and Christian connections, having that invitation accepted on my behalf by my grandmother Brown. And I knew I'd better go, and I'd better behave myself while I was there. In those days, we memorized Bible verses. And the very first one that I can remember is John 3.16, from the King James Bible, of course. When children were asked to recite, and they were in those days, the most quoted scripture, other than the shortest verse in the Bible, partially made famous by Mark Twain, that is, Jesus wept. John 3.16 was the most quoted scripture, and we were all expected to know it by heart. In our own time, this verse has crossed over into the lexicon of common language and culture. We see John 3.16 plastered on billboards and bumper stickers, and signs and placards held up at ball games, and everyone seems to know what it says. <clears throat> but surely the salvific mission of our Lord Jesus has a deeper and more penetrating message for us. While Christianity is indeed a simple faith, surely it requires a response from the believer that is not conveyed in this very brief citation. So it is with our gospel lesson today. For some reason, the lectionary divides the readings in John 3 at verse 14. Now we know from the preceding verses that all of this is part of a conversation that Jesus is having with Nicodemus. Nicodemus is an educated and cultured man, a Pharisee, and a leader of the Jewish religious community. Nicodemus has come to Jesus in the nighttime, under cover of darkness. He apparently doesn't want to risk his reputation. And when he comes to Jesus, he confesses that he and the other religious leaders of Israel truly believe that Jesus is a teacher sent by God. And so Jesus begins to explain to Nicodemus and to teach the saving message of his mission on earth. And this is the great message of our salvation, it's our hope, the hope of the whole world. God sent his son into the world to save the whole world from sin and death. And condemnation is not a part of the intention of God. This reminds me of that old Christian anthem, therefore there is no condemnation. God so loved the world... This is indeed a teaching of joy and happiness and redemption. And ultimately it's a teaching of the tremendous love that God has for all of His creation. Love that is beyond our poor ability to conceive or comprehend or understand. And all we seemingly have to do is believe in Jesus and we will receive this gift of salvation. But there is much, much more to this teaching of Jesus. Obviously, Nicodemus, that learned and cultivated and urbane teacher of Israel, that leader of the Pharisees, governor of the people, Nicodemus does not understand, and he goes away in darkness, scratching his head a bit. And I sincerely wonder if all of us Christians, in our own time, I wonder if we truly understand. This teaching of Jesus is filled with contrast and religious symbolism. It was not easily understood by the people of that time, and I fear that in the present age, we are very much like our counterparts from the first century. And we must ask ourselves, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? That's the most profound teaching that Jesus sets forth in this scripture. First of all, Jesus teaches a lesson familiar to all the Jewish scholars of the time. Moses in the desert, who lifted up a serpent of bronze on a pole, as the Son of Man must be lifted up. We heard that scripture read from Numbers just a few moments ago. The Israelites complained and griped against Moses and God, and they doubted God's promise to them. And his punishment... God sent a plague of deadly snakes that bit and killed the people. And then God had pity on these grumbling and doubting people. And Moses was instructed to lift up the image of the snake. All who looked on that image would be saved and their lives spared. That dreaded symbol of death, the snake, that was the image that God chose to use to save the people. So it is with Jesus, that dreaded instrument of death and suffering, the cruel means of Roman execution of criminals, that symbol of shame, the cross, was chosen by God as the instrument of our salvation. Quite incomprehensible to our small human minds, Jesus must be lifted up on the cross, like the serpent was lifted up in the desert. Through the grace of God, Jesus is the gift. He becomes the instrument of our salvation. And look around us today. The cross, like John 3.16, has moved over into the realm of cultural history. It's the symbol of our saving grace, but that symbol is everywhere in our society. You can't go into Hobby Lobby without seeing a huge display of crosses of all sorts. And Jesus further teaches us that he brings the light of the goodness of God, the light of our salvation into the world. And Jesus is the light. And those whose hearts are changed will enter the light, embrace the light, and rejoice in the saving power of the Son of Man. But there will be some, because of the darkness of their hearts, the evil that they harbor in their minds, the deeds they have done and continue to do, there will be some who will not embrace the light. They will not embrace Jesus and his teachings, and they will remain in the darkness. And so the question for us in this holy season of Lent, the question is, have we come into the light? Is it enough just to proclaim the joy of, expressed in John 3.16 that Jesus is coming to the world is it enough to display a placard with John 3.16 on it or a bumper sticker or must we truly and surely and completely believe in him and embrace his teaching of love do we have changed hearts and minds do we repent of the evil that we do and that's done in our behalf Do we give up the petty and small feelings we may have toward our fellow man? How about those of whom we disapprove? Or those who have significant political or social or economic differences from us? What about the people who hate us? Do we also forgive them? Love them and pray for them? As we know Jesus has commanded us to do. This is an age of division in our society. And it is a time when people will try to exploit those tensions and divisions for their own gain. Do we give in to this great temptation? Or do we seek to walk in the light? Do we welcome the light because we truly believe in Jesus and all his teachings of love and understanding? Are we able to walk in the light? Remember, Nicodemus came to Jesus in darkness, both literal and symbolic. He came by night. But later, Nicodemus returns in the night to take care of the body of the crucified Jesus. Nicodemus had come to understand the teachings of Jesus. The question for this Lenten season, my dear friends in Jesus, the question is, have we also learned? Do we walk in the light? Do we truly believe in Jesus? Because that is our only hope. That is the good news. That is the gospel. Thanks be to God.